better wealth for me. Um, I'll say this, and I've mentioned it to you before. Uh, better wealth really means taking. So, so with the with the book about Journey to Cloud Nine, I did something that I never do, and I looked up the root of the word ecstasy. And whereas you think it just means happiness or, or moments of euphoria, um, it's from the Greek word ecstasis, right? And ecstasis literally means to step to the side of. So when I think about better life, when I think about ecstasy, when I think about anything, meaning purpose, fulfillment, better wealth, I think about taking a step to the side of where I am right now currently and then viewing my, my current situation from a third-party perspective and then matching it up with where I am and where I want to be or the story that I want to tell. So the similarities and the differences there is really what you know, better wealth means to me. And it being better means that I'm closer, I'm bridging the gap between that person who is you know, where I want to be and the person where I actually am. This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. Hey guys, welcome to the Better Wealth Podcast. And today I had the pleasure and honor of sitting down with Jordan Gross and capturing this guy's story. Guys, you are in for a total treat. Jordan is 24 years old, written a couple books. He's been on TED Talk. He's super, super thoughtful. His first book was on, you know, the morning routine and like habits. And I asked him questions about that. I also asked him questions about his new project, this journey to cloud nine, which is he's combining fiction and you know nonfiction principles and putting it together, and this again, like the the amount of pure value that comes out of this conversation is is totally gold. Jordan will firsthand say he's not going to give any financial advice or anything that blows your mind as it relates to money, but everything that we talk about as it relates to how he lives his life, how he thinks, even like gave one of the best legacy questions I've ever heard. Uh, and it's just pure, pure gold. I consider him a dear friend. I'm, a, I'm excited to see the impact that he has and really feel honored that he came on to the show and shared his journey, his expertise, and what he's up to. You guys are in for a total treat. Without further ado, here's Jordan Gross. Jordan, welcome to the show. What's up, Caleb? So excited to see you, man. We haven't chatted since next gen in uh, June, but I'm so grateful to be here and I'm excited to to chat and add some value to you and your audience. Man, I'm I'm excited to have you on the show because so I'm in New York. I go to this, by the way, I was never planning on going to dinner with your uh-huh. group. But there was like there was someone that was like, okay, for any like young authors, new authors, and I just, you know, came out with this book. And so I was like, okay, I'll go to the author dinner. And I remember sitting down at, at dinner and hearing your story and going, holy moly, this, I, need to, I need to talk to this guy. Like you, you have such an incredible story as it relates to not only your journey in writing right. books, but like how young you are, how you're a thought leader. And now like, I want to talk about your project that's going to be coming out next year. Man, you're going to impact so many people. And while, while most people on this on this podcast are like relating to directly on wealth strategies and mindsets, like you're going to tie into that in an indirect way. So I'm dude, I'm grateful that you're here. No, thank you for the kind intro. Um, that, that dinner was, was great. You know, I, I got to share with young authors 
what I'm all about and hopefully people resonated and the fact that you, you resonated so much with it. It's really special to me. So I really appreciate you saying that. Cool, man. So, so let's, let's go through the origin story, why you believe in what you believe. And a lot of it, it comes into the context of how you grew up. And so you're, you're 24 now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 24. Hey, 24, 24 years old and you've accomplished so much. Why don't you kind of give a little bit of your, of your bio? Well, thank you for that. And I, I hope you have a similar mindset with what we've accomplished thus far as, as I do. It's so grateful for what we have been able to do, who we've been able to meet, talk to, books we put out, speeches we've given, right? But this is only the beginning for us, you know? And we've only, I got a really cool question once on another podcast I did where they said, where are you on a loading bar? You know, if it's the one to hundred loading bar. And I literally said, guys, like I'm at 24, I'm at 24% of the hundred loading bar. Like there's a lot left to, uh, to be done, a lot more people to impact. So, um, definitely just want to start there, but to address your direct question, Caleb. Yeah. So my story actually, especially for where I'm at now with somebody who's taking this different path. I'm an author, I'm a writer, a coach, not doing what my friends are doing, not doing what my, my people from school are doing. Um, I started out in middle school and high school as somebody on the inside, right? I was an insider. I was a good student. I was a good athlete. I was in the quote unquote popular crowd. And on paper, I, I basically had what, what most kids desire at that age uh, these days. But um, from a very young age, and, and the first experience I remember is when I was seven years old, I made a lemonade stand to help people who were affected by 9-11 in my area. Um, so from a very young age, I, I had this burning desire to grow things, to start things, and ultimately to impact and add value to other people. So keeping that in the back of, of your guys' heads, that was always in the back of my mind as well. And that voice was telling me, you need to make an impact. You need to do something different. You need to build something, right? But I didn't listen to that voice for, for a long time. So I went through the high school motions. Then I went to a good college. I went to Northwestern in Chicago. I did the same thing there, man. I, I did my finance internships and I studied economics because that's what soccer guys told me and my fraternity brothers told me and my brother and his friends who went to Duke told me to do because I would live this stable life. I would make a lot of money and, and I'd live in a big house and everything would work out, right? So that's what I did. And, and I continued down that path. Yeah. Did your parents influence any of that, those decisions in high school and college? Not really, to be honest with you. My, my parents are too, I'll quickly dive into them um, because their impact has been so monumental in my life. While I was going down the traditional path, the, the message that I got from my parents was just, you know, do what feels right, do what makes you happy, do what's going to make you successful. Uh, when I deviated from that path, my mom, who guys, when you think about your parents, right, you have to think about where they're coming from. Right. So my mom is, is the mental and emotional support. So she just wants me to be happy. She wants me to be healthy. She wants me to look and feel good. Right. So when I deviated and I said, I'm quitting my corporate job, which we'll get to what that was in just a little bit. She was the one who said, if it makes you happy, you have to do this. She's been a mom since my brother was born 29 years ago. And she like, that's, that's her number one goal in life. That's her job. Um, my dad, however, he's been a lawyer for 35 years and he, he, that's all he knew. He went down a traditional path. His father was a lawyer and his father was somebody who was successful in a time when not many people were. So his dad, you know, influenced him and he went on to work at his firm. 
So when I left my job, he said, I think, you know, you might want to reevaluate. <laughs> yeah. You might want to consider your future and, and not having a steady income and all this good stuff. But I think what makes my parents so great, and I think what makes the sign of, of truly amazing parents was that the second I made the decision and said to my dad, you know what, I, I love your, your input here, but I'm going this direction. He switched gears from guide to supporter. And I think the first thing he said to me when I told him I wanted to be a writer was, how do we get you to be a New York Times bestseller? That's right? powerful. So there, was, there was somebody who said, I don't think you should do this to somebody who ended up saying, how can I be your number one fan? So that's, that, wow. that's where my, yeah, that's where my parents came in. But while I was in college going down the traditional path, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't hear too much from them aside from just wanting to be happy and healthy. But, um, I ended up doing a pretty good job of listening to the voice in the back of my head and saying, okay, dude, you're not going into investment banking. You're not going into consulting that that's just not who you are. Right. And that was my senior year of college. So I had to figure out what was next. I ended up doing a master's in management studies at Kellogg. And that year, I really like dove into personal development. I dove into reading a lot of books, listening to a lot of podcasts and, and finding that word, right? That word passion. Um, and I thought it was going to be in the food and restaurant industry. Mm. So I dipped my toes into the startup world. I worked for two food delivery companies. Then I started my own food delivery service in the Chicago area. Um, and I ended up taking a position in like a corporate leadership and management program with Hillstone Restaurant Group, where I thought it was going to be this innovative experience where I was in this world and I was a leader at a very young age, um, making an impact on the company. And after four months, I quickly realized that was not what I was doing. I, lo I looked back at it and I said, you know what, whereas I thought I was doing this for passion and purpose and meaning, I actually took the role because it was prestigious and it was, you know, the Goldman Sachs of the restaurant industry. And it was uh, an opportunity for me to be a 23 year old leader and lead people who were three times my age in the restaurants. Right. So mm -hmm. I ended up quitting after four months. And that's when we get to the story about mm -hmm. my parents and their impact on me. And then, you know, I, I quit because I looked at the people who were five, 10 years ahead of me. Right. And I looked at the impact that they were making. And they were really just doing the same thing that I was on a day-to-day -day basis. They were just making more money than I was. Mm. And I am not somebody who's monetarily driven. That, that yep. doesn't drive my motivations. Um, and what I also did was I thought in totality about the experience that I was having. And I thought back to that seven-year-old kid. And I listened to that voice in the back of my head finally. And I said, I'm on Park Avenue in New York City feeding the rich. When my whole life, the voice in the back of my head has told me to be different, be somebody who makes an impact and feeds the poor. Wow. So that's when I made the jump and I wrote my first book. And then, you know, it's a year and a half later and there's a lot that goes into the story but in that year and a half. But that's, that's basically where we're okay, at. So a couple questions. The first question I, that comes to my mind is you read, you read books, listen to podcasts. Yes. That same thing happened to me. Okay. When I was 17, I got introduced to this, this thing called Audible. And one of the first books that I read was Think and Grow Rich and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Like I'm starting to read all these things. What, what, what were some of your top books that you read slash podcast? How to Win Friends and Influence People was my number one. That'll always probably be... So I kind of split my books up into categories. Um, that'll always be my number one just 
people relationships book. Like that is the be all and end all. It's how I live my life. Um, the big podcast actually, which is funny because I don't listen to this at all anymore. It's actually not even run by the same guy, but it's more so the episode actually that drove me was the art of charm with Jordan Harbinger. Oh yeah. He, he did an episode and he's got the Jordan Harbinger show. Now he's not on the art of charm, but he did an episode with Hal Elrod who is the author of the miracle morning yep. and Hal told this unbelievable story about how he literally came back to life and that wasn't even the worst time of his life and he died and then he was in financial trouble and he ultimately started waking up earlier focusing on his self-care and that's what brought him the ultra wealth that's what brought him his two million copies sold of his book that's what brought him his multi-multi-million dollar business right it was literally waking up intentionally starting with this morning routine and he focused on himself did something he wanted to do rather than had to do and that just something clicked in my mind where i said that's what i that's who i need to be yeah um so that first book i wrote was based off of hal elrod's miracle morning savers model where I made my own morning routine getting comfy and I shared with people how to overcome that stress and anxiety that we all face uh, when the alarm clock goes off. Have you have you read any of Darren Hardy's books? Darren Hardy, I have not. No, I think I've seen a okay, couple so articles maybe, but not his books, no. In his uh, book, The Compound Effect, mm-hmm. he talks about controlling the bookends, yeah. okay, morning and yeah. night. So your first book that you self-published, I believe, right? Yeah, uh-huh. self-published. 23 years old. And you talk about morning routine. Can you give us like the yeah. the gold nuggets of what what you discovered there, and, yeah. and like what's what you would change now that you yeah. know what you know what you know now? Like, and it might not be anything. Yeah, because um, I'm fascinated with the habits and morning. Yeah, absolutely. So let's have a little bit of fun. Uh, my mindset's always a little bit different. I want to be different than other podcast guests <laughs> that you've had. I want to make different interviews. So. Uh, we'll do like a, we'll do like a quasi comfy routine. Okay. Okay. So on three, we're just going to take a deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. Okay. Right, I love it. One, two, three. So we just did C in the comfy routine and something I'll preface before I even say what it is, is that comfy C-O-M-F-Y are, are, buckets, their categories, right? Because I didn't want to give anybody a specific demand. I wanted people to interpret for themselves, give recommendations so that you can create your own version of your morning routine, just like I did with Hal Elrod's Savers Technique. With that being said, C stands for calm. And you and I just took this big deep breath and boom, everything feels at ease, right? So when the alarm clock goes off, or honestly, this this routine, my, my, I gave a TEDx talk about this. Um, before anything, a, a big speech, a podcast, a sales pitch, a, a client interview, right? Before anything that is a little bit daunting, you go through your comfy routine. And the first thing you have to do is get calm. I love it. So we did deep breathing, but you could also do meditation. You could also do yoga. You could also wash the dishes. You could also go for a walk. Yeah. Um, Anything that, that really keeps you in the present moment and just puts your mind at ease. Uh, next, we've got O. So for O, I'll ask you, Caleb, what is one amazing thing that you accomplished within the last like 48 hours? I accomplished, I, I had to get a ton of things knocked out of the way. And so I had a, yeah. yesterday, I had two hours where I got everything done that I needed to get done. Perfect. Checking things off the list. I love it. Um 
great. So O stands for openness. Mm -hmm. And there's two ways that we can do openness. And the first one is what we just did. You can open up to somebody else. Hmm. So you can send a text, you can call somebody, you can message somebody. And basically, you just want to get the thoughts out, out of your head and out there into the world, right? You don't want anything to ever be bottled up. Yeah. So the thoughts you want to key in on, though, are things like that. Like you tell somebody, hey, I had this great accomplishment. Or you tell somebody, hey, I love you. Hey, I appreciate you. Hey, this is what's been challenging me lately, right? So it's all these different factors that we can put out there into the open and maybe get somebody's help, support, or advice on, right? Yep. Um, the other thing that you can do is very, very, very common. It's journaling. And that's mm -hmm. a way for self-openness. So my, my journaling technique in particular happens to be gratitude, uh, reflection of the day past, a projection of the day that I'm currently in hmm. or the week in the future. Um, I do accomplishments. I do strengths. I do weaknesses. I do fears. And I do like, uh, I keep like a food log and a sleep log. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I journal. That's openness with mm. myself. How important is gratitude? Because that is something that's changed my life, man. <sighs> you hear it everywhere. You, you hear it every single place. But you know what? There's a reason. And it's the one thing, man, where I'm always the person to say, like, everybody talks about gratitude, but I, I want to talk. No, I don't want right. to talk about gratitude. Probably the one thing that I will never stop right. talking about because it changes who you are. It changes your perspective. It changes every single event that occurs in your life. And I'll give you one quick example. I mean, after Next Gen, actually. I didn't even tell you this. Um, on Sunday, after Sunday is next gen, I found myself in a really bad mood that night. I don't know why. Mm. I, I haven't been in a bad mood since I was like 14. Um, <laughs> but I, I was walking across the street and uh, I, a cab driver was honking at me, right? And I, I had the right of way. I was able to walk. And I actually like cursed him out. And I just stood in the middle of the street. And I, I've never done that before. So I, yeah. I took a moment to like reflect on that experience. Like, why am I feeling this way? What, what's, what's going on? Yeah. And I realized that I just hadn't been like grateful and appreciative for other people in, in like too long mm. of a time. Right. So I went over to my, yep. my local uh, grocery store. I've got this, this really good buddy there. His name is Donald and he's just this, this big, happy, he's a special needs guy, but he's just this big, happy bundle of energy. Just went up to him and I gave him a big hug and I was just like, Donald, like, do you need help with anything today? Yeah. Let's do it. And I helped him like push the, a cart up a hill and, and immediately I just felt better. So that's what yeah. impact on others is. But ultimately that's what being grateful for what you have is all about too. It just, it changes your mindset. Um, yeah. I love it. So then, you know, so, cause you know, in order to save a little time, we won't go through the MF and the Y in terms of us doing it. But um, if we were together right now, we'd probably do like 25 jumping jacks. M stands for movement. Actually, you know what? We'll do we'll do guessing game for the F and the Y. But um, M stands for movement. You got that one. And I won't dive too much into it, but a walk, a run, weightlifting session. For me at this point in, in where I am in my life, it, it's not about the physical appearance. It, it's about the mind, right? And it, it turns on my mind. It gives me clarity. It gives me creativity. So that's what that movement is all about. Um, F, what I, do you think F is? I don't know. Food? <laughs> No, yeah. food, no I, I do love food more than anything though um f is probably my favorite oh that's for funny and in the morning especially this this one applies a lot to the morning 
the main consumption I think that we have as a society is the news. Yes. Right. And we wake up and we watch the news, we turn on CNN and it's filled with tragedy and devastation and and really pessimism about what's going on in the world. Right. But why would you want to fill your brain with that first thing in the morning so that it's just circulating in there the rest of the day? So I say, instead of turning on CNN, turn on a PNN, which is a positive news network that's filled with like go-to memes and funny baby and dog (laughs) videos. And like, uh, if you don't want to laugh, like you're, you're, if you don't want to laugh that hard, then you can just smile and feel good. So it's like the soldier comes home from war videos, right? And it's, just his way Watch to, a Budweiser video of like, the exactly. dog. And, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's it, man. So that's why I love funny so much because, yes, like we know that there are serious things that happen in the world. We know that there are serious things right. that happen in our lives, right? But the way to best appropriately respond to them rather than impulsively react to them is by not taking ourselves too seriously, yeah. right? So that's why you just want to get smiling. You want to get laughing. First thing in the morning. Um, why? I, I'm going to just guess you, but yeah. I don't. Is yeah, it? That's okay. Right. Yeah. I don't know it. how that applies, but I'm just, um, I would think it, you is important. It stands for you or your passion or yep. your choice. And it comes back to what I learned from Hal Elrod, right? It's, it's this morning routine. It doesn't matter what time you wake up. It doesn't even matter what exactly you do. That's why I don't care if anybody does comfy, if anybody does the miracle morning, whatever. It's about spending the time on something that you want to do rather than what you have to do, you know? So it's about, you know, working on your coding or learning a new language or working on your singing, right? It's just about exploring your curiosities, Mm -hmm. that last thing before you go into whatever it is that you have to do the rest of the day, the speech, whatever. So how long did it take you? How long did it take you to write this book? It's funny. the, The first book was actually a collection of reflections. And, uh, I was really just all those podcasts that I told you about all the books that I was reading, just like I keep telling you, I was creating my own ideas and I was putting them into my own life. And I was saying, okay, this works for me, but here's my take on it. Here's how it's going to work better for me. Here's how it's going to work better for my mom. Here's how it's going to work better for other people. Right. And I was writing down stories that were related to this that would happen in my life. So, I mean, that was like a year and a half process where I had like 70 pages in a Word doc. But once I quit my job at the restaurant group and said, okay, I need to get this book out there. That was November of 2017. And then I probably added like 50 more pages and got the book out there self-published by the end of January of 2018. So wow. yeah, really, you know, when I, when I go into things, it's, it's a sprint, you know, it's pedal to the metal going right at right. it. Um, yeah. And would the impact that you had that one book, like how many copies were out there? Like, I know it's set the stage on what you're doing now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more so about the the connections that it's provided for me, the relationships that I've built, um, a couple thousand okay. copies and it, you know, but it got me my TEDx talk, which got me clients, right. right. And it got me on stages at high schools, which, you know, s- gave me some, a uh, sense of su- sustainability. Right. And, right. Um, that's that's what the book is all about, you know. 100%. And I chatted with you about that at our author dinner. But you know, this next book, though, honestly, which we haven't even touched on yet, <laughs> my goal—I'll tell you right now—because I'm the kind of guy who, when people ask me, "So, what are you doing for money?" You're obviously not selling books, right? My goal is to sell twenty-five thousand copies in the in, when I'm twenty-five years old, 
Um, and I, I want to make money off of the book, you know, and I think the more money I can make off of the book, I told you before we got on, uh, the recording here is that the more I can give that away because money makes you more of who you actually are. And if I, the more I can do and accomplish for myself, the more I get to create, you know, these cloud nine experiences for other people. Right. Before we get into cloud nine and your book, I want to, I want to talk about Ted talks. Yeah, and so I want to get on Ted. Yeah. And so number one, how did you get that? And then number two, like, what did you talk about? Cause it's, it's really quick. It's, but it's a massive, awesome stage. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you my exact strategy right now, man. And I, I hope you put it into play cause it, it, it worked clearly. And, uh, so I'll tell it this way. So it's kind of interesting and, and people get to learn a little bit more, but have you, Heard of or read the, it's a semi-new book called The Third Door. Yes. Yeah. I love that yeah. book. Okay. Nice. So you'll know this, but to, to give everybody a little bit of a refresher. And by the way, I haven't even read the book. I just kind of under kind of understand the, the concepts yep. behind it. Um, to get a TED Talk, I see it this way. The first door would be your Oprah Winfrey and Ted comes up to you and says, hey, Oprah, we're doing this big TEDx, big TED event, and we we want you to talk, yep. right? So she says okay, and then boom, she's in through the the, the first door, and she gets her her TED talk. Um, then there's door number two, and you're not Oprah, but maybe you're, you know, you got a solid following, you got a couple books out there, you've done talks in the past, you've, you know, you you got a good business, you went to a good school, and you got all the credentials you need, and you re, you you apply for one of these TEDx talks. And they say, wow, like this guy would be great or this girl would be great. So, you know, apply online and, and we'll get you in. Boom. That, that's door number two. Then there's door number three. And uh, door number three was for somebody like me who I didn't have credibility. I, I was trying to grow right. at the time. I was, you know, growing my LinkedIn. I was doing podcasts as much as I could, but nobody, nobody knew who I was at all. Um, right. so I had to get creative with it. And this is where that, that brain comes in of just being different than everybody else and thinking about everybody's going through door number one and door number two and applying and just sort of, you know, spraying and praying out applications and maybe they have great yep. TEDx sucks that they're going to give, but if there's no but reason to get on, exactly. If there's no reason why, if there's no value that they're adding, if there's no strategy that they're employing, that's going to get them in, then they're not going to get the talk. So with door number three, I did this. And the quick logistics are that if you want a TEDx talk, you got to look for about four to six months in advance because that's when speakers are booked. And then for me, I wanted to stay in New York. So those are my two filters. And I went on the TEDx website and I filtered by those two things. And I think there were like five talks that, that fit that criteria. On the TEDx website, they do a really cool thing where they put a picture up and the name, sometimes even the contact info of the organizers of the particular TEDx event. So my mind said, let me do an asset-based approach here. I love people. I love connecting with people. I love adding value to people. I love having conversations. So I'm going to go on to my handy-dandy LinkedIn. I'm going to connect with these five hosts. I'm going to do research about them. I'm going to see you know, what their TEDx event is all about. I'm going to see what their professional life is like, right? I'm going to see if we have any common connections or common interests. And then I'm going to craft this personalized note to them saying that, you know, I see that you give a TEDx event and here's what I do and would love to connect and continue the conversation. 
I think three out of the five answered, you know, it's a pretty good rate. You're not going to get everybody. Yep. And, uh, you know, all three, I just asked them what they were doing, how they live their lives, how we could add value to each other. And then ultimately asked if I could be a speaker at, on their stage. Two of them sent me back to door number two. It's okay. It happens. But uh, one of them, a very special lady named Sarah, she was giving a talk in Clinton, New York. And it was, for, it was called TEDx Clinton Middle School. And we had a conversation about how middle schoolers these days, middle schoolers these days, like 12 to 14 year old kids are so stressed and anxious, right? And they don't have anything that they can go to, to help them with that. So we talked about how the comfy model could be a help with before they have a homework assignment or before they have a speech or before they have an exam, right? And she was so entranced mm. entranced by the value that I can give to her students and even their parents too in the audience that she kept me in door number three. Wow. And she said, you know what? You don't have to apply. Come and I think it's going to be a great topic, right? That's incredible, so man. That's what I'd recommend. It's all about people at the end yep. of the day, right? It's about relationships. So if, you're, if you're applying to something, you know, the, the people who are reading those applications, if you know them, if they like you, if you've conversed with them, even if they say no, it's going to be a harder decision to say no because they know who right. you are, right? And that's where every single person listening to this, what we've talked about applies to everyone. Like, yeah. 100%. So thank you so much for that. Now, now, yeah, man. now let's go, go, go put it into practice, okay? I want to see you on that stage right. soon. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. let you know when that happens. Um, so now the thing that really blows me away with what you're doing is you are taking a fictional approach to so the books we just talked about that's changed our life nonfiction yeah. the principles mm-hmm. been amazing yeah. and yeah. you're taking a fictional approach to teach those principles and I I want to just like hear how you came up with this epiphany what your books on because I absolutely think it's going to be killer I appreciate that man thank you um, so yeah the the origin story for the the book is called the journey to cloud nine. Um, the origin story is really fun because I get asked a lot how the origin story for the first book came to be. And I say, you know what? There was none. And it was the, my aha moment was the realization that I didn't need an aha moment and I could just go ahead and write the book. Right. Right. With the second one, it was a little bit different. I was actually driving in an Uber in New York city and it was after like an introspective day of Sunday football or like a little bit hungover. Um, one of our friends had from high school an acquaintance from high school had just passed away. And we were talking mm. about rather than the nonsensical, like football guy stuff on a Sunday, we were talking about life and love and death and purpose and the meaning of life pretty much. So mm-hmm. a lot of thoughts were running through the mind. And as I'm in the Uber, I'm usually the guy who says to the Uber driver, how's your day? What's going on? And tries to ha- have a conversation. Um, on this day, I didn't feel like doing that until in the East River in New York, I saw this boat called Cloud Nine. I thought that's that's too cool of a, a of a boat name to not talk about. So I said to the Uber driver, "Look at that boat, Cloud Nine. And he said, "Oh, it's a cool boat, right?" And I said, "So what what does Cloud Nine mean to you?" And he starts talking to me about his family and the day he got married and the day he had his children and the day he, uh, you know, had some sort of career accomplishment and all these great stories. Where I said, "Wow, there's like there's something here." There are these pivotal moments in our lives that we can experience in order to create this cloud nine life. And there are definitely concepts around this. So I began to explore and I was asking people, what does cloud nine mean to you? What does cloud nine mean to you? 
And I got all these amazing stories and they were, you know, similar to the Uber drivers. Some of them were, were a little bit different. And uh, ultimately I had these ideas where there are opportunities in our lives, these pivotal moments where we make a certain decision. And in that moment, it's, it's most often the path less traveled, the more difficult decision that we need to make in order to live our cloud nine lives. So that's like the overall background. And then the origin behind this whole fictional approach is because with the first book, I used the first book to fully immerse myself in the self-help world. And I was trying to make great connections and I was trying to get feedback and I was trying to, for myself, understand what works and what does not work. And then I was also thinking about what worked and what didn't work for me. And so there's, there's two reasons here. So one is for me, um, listening to podcasts and reading books, I was getting a little bored, I guess, myself of hearing the same principles over and over and over again, just with different acronyms or, or people telling them, right? Yeah. So it really, when you boil down, there's like a core yeah. principles and everyone's twisted yeah. a little bit different. Exactly. Yep. That's true. And, and you know that I even, I mean, I even had a con, a comment on Amazon, uh, one of the reviews, I think it was like one star, maybe three star or one star review where basically the lady said like, this kid's a fine writer and all, but this book doesn't need to be written because if he would have just listened to his parents growing up, he would have understand all of these principles already. And it made me laugh because that's what self-help is. You know, it's the, it's the way you're supposed to live your life. It's just right. that we deviate from it so much because of what, you know, society uh, sort of conditions us to believe after that. But anyway, so that was the first reason it was that for me, um, I wanted something new. So it was a little bit selfish in that way. I didn't want to just tell another book about cloud nine and, and describe the interviews that I had. I wanted to make it creative. I wanted to use my creative brain. The second reason was because of the feedback and some of the pushback that I got too. So even some of my friends never read my first book because they just tell, they just say to me, Jay, like, it's cool that you wrote a book, but we, I don't read self-help, you know, like I, I don't <laughs> do that. It's very authoritative. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. We're all different. Right. You know, that's, right. that's just, it's me, you know, you don't have to right. tell me how to live my life. So I said, okay, what is a creative approach that I can take so that my friends read my second book? And I <laughs> thought that if I can create a story in which people get more involved with the characters and the plot and the love and the sadness and the happiness and everything involved with the story, then, and also, by the way, sprinkle the self-help and personal growth and development concepts that I've learned into the story then my friends will be reading the book and they'll be interpreting for themselves what life principles the book is trying to get you to implement into your life, right? Wow. So that was, the, that was the big reason for it. It's because, you know, I, I want my friends to read the book, right? <laughs> um, but no, in, in all seriousness, it's, I look at it this way, right? And uh, so, you know, do you know Sean Accord? Uh, is he the one that talks about happiness? Happiness advantage, yeah, right? I, that's one of my favorite TED Talks. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so he, he's amazing, but he is a traditional researcher, right? And Correct. if you dive deeper into Sean Akori, he's a lot about facts and figures, he uses a lot of numbers, and he does research studies, right? So that's one language you can speak to a particular audience. Then there's the language that I did with my first book. And you can tell stories of interviews that you did, you can create an acronym, right. and you can share principles that you've learned. That's a different language. Right. And that's, that's but, the style I wrote my book in. Right. Which yep. is great. There's, right. there's totally an audience for that. Right. But then... 
I truly believe that in the self-help world, there is a third language where you can hide the self-help principles and allow people to uncover for themselves what they should be doing in their lives. So that that's what the that's how the fiction came to be. I have a, a mentor that told me, Caleb, if we want to make an impact, we we have to have our clients like it's caught, not taught. Yeah. What he means by it is like it's so much more powerful if you come up with it yourself. Like yeah, you can say, is. do this, like, you know, do this principle. Yeah. But if someone's reading your story and then they like realize for themselves, like, oh, this character like I see that they're having results. They're showing up more powerful in their, their life because yeah. of this habit. Yeah. You know how powerful that's going to be? Oh, yeah. And especially if the reader sees themselves in that character, right? Right. So that's what it's all about. And honestly, man, I tried to do that with getting comfy. I even mentioned it to you. I wanted people to create their own comfy routine. I, I stated that pretty explicitly within. But uh, I think maybe now I needed to make it even more clear. Like this is not self-help. This is a fictional book. And then it's up to you to interpret it and and maybe uh, employ some of the strategies in your life afterward. Yeah. So is the book gonna is it gonna, the book gonna be called like Your Journey to Cloud Nine? It's called The Journey to Cloud Nine, and the brief overview is that the protagonist is in the later years of his life, and mm-hmm. he's depressed and he's isolated and he's alone, and basically he's had these monumental moments, these pivotal experiences throughout his life where he had two choices, two different directions he could have taken. In his real life, he made these decisions that were based off of societal expectations and the people around him. But what I do is I juxtapose that with his cloud nine life, where through this visualized magical experience, he's on a journey through the clouds where he gets to relive his life Hmm. had he made the decision based on his heart, his gut, and his intuition. So he travels from cloud one to cloud two, all the way to cloud nine, and he gets to see what living life on cloud nine is really all about. Wow. Jordan, I cannot wait to read that book. Are you going to do the audible? Are you going to read it? So that's a cool question, man. I've never been asked that before because I have an idea about the audible. So Northwestern had a big theater program. And a lot of my friend, my freshman year roommate was actually in the theater program. And a lot of his friends became my friends. And I was thinking to do like a sort of rewrite the book as a screenplay and do the audio book where I can get some of my friends to be the characters in the book. And then it could be like a really nice, like actor driven audio book. So that's my thought on the audio book. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I will, I will get both copies. But uh, I will listen to the audiobook for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the questions I love asking people is, what does better wealth mean to you? It's <sighs> a great question. Better wealth for me, um, I'll say this, and I've mentioned it to you before. Uh, better wealth really means taking... So so with the, with the book about Journey to Cloud9, I did something that I never do. And I looked up the root of the word ecstasy. And whereas you think it just means happiness or or moments of euphoria, um, it's from the Greek word ecstasis, right? And ecstasis literally means to step to the side of. So when I think about better life, when I think about ecstasy, when I think about anything, meaning purpose, fulfillment, better wealth, I think about taking a step to the side of where I am right now currently 
and then viewing my, my current situation from a third party perspective and then matching it up with where I am and where I want to be or the story that I want to tell. So the similarities and the differences there is really what, you know, better wealth means to me. And it being better means that I'm closer. I'm bridging the gap between that person who is, you know, where I want to be and the person where I actually am. It's a very in-depth answer. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm going to have yeah. to re-listen to yeah, that to get no. the full, but yes, I love yeah. it. Now, here's another question that I, I don't ask to everyone, but I'm just really yeah. curious as it relates to your life. Mm. What are things that everyone yeah. should know about you that very few people do? Because like you're so, you're so thoughtful and like mature and you're a con- like, you're going to, you're going <laughs> to write a book that's with a publishing house. You're going to sell way more than 25,000 copies and impact a lot of people. And oh, thanks, man. Like I Thank can just you. see it. And I, and so what, what about you do very few people know that you kind of wish people did? Oh, I don't know which direction I want to take this question in, but uh, let me, let me do it in two different ways. The first is that as, you know, cool as this conversation is sounding and and I so much appreciate the kind words and for as much as I want to accomplish and hope to accomplish, I want to make sure that people know, I mean, I guess I hate saying this because I always want to be different, but uh, I want to make sure people know also how normal of a guy I am, you know, like I took three days off for July 4th weekend. I was out with my friends drinking and having fun and like, you know, that, that's really who I am. That that's the person that I am. I play sports at the end of my day, every day. I, I make sure I, I, you know, I live with my four, my three best friends from childhood. So like I have good quality time with people at the end of my day as well. Um, so yeah, as, as driven as I am and as much as I want to achieve and, and do for this world, it comes from a person who, tries to be as well-rounded as possible. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing. And then the second thing I want to say is that I was never, I wasn't always like this. Um, It is a mindset. And the story I'll tell you is that even when I was that kid in middle school and high school who got the good grades and, and was good at sports and was in the cool crowd, like that was a choice that I made. And actually I could have gone the totally opposite direction. I had long hair and I was commonly mistaken for a girl by people who didn't know me. I was cross-eyed. So I had these big thick glasses and people called me nerdy and, you know, said I was ugly. Um, and then, to, I mean, there's two more things, but the, the third thing is that I was, I was really overweight, like always in the top percentile for my age group. Mm. I remember being, I literally remember one day we did like our class weigh-in when I was in like fifth grade the person who went before me was like 65 pounds and I was like 127. Oh, so wow. I was always like very overweight. But, um, and then to top it all off, my last name is gross. So people would laugh at me before they yeah. even knew who I was, but um, yeah. it's a mindset, man. And instead of making those things hmm. detriments and saying poor pitiful me and saying I'm an outcast, I actually use them all to my advantage. Right. So for each one, you know, my last name being gross, I decided to laugh with people rather than have them laugh at me. And I would say, ew, yuck. But like, also, hey, that's me, by the way. Um, so that's what I would do with that. And like, my glasses made me look nerdy. So I said, okay, I'm going to be the nerd, right? Yeah. Or, or, and I got good grades. And then I was bigger than everybody else. So I use it to my advantage in sports. I was, you know, top soccer goalie where I was as big as, I was as big as the net when I was six years old, right? So nothing was, nothing was getting by me. 
but uh, no, and and, I'll, and but I cut my hair, so like maybe that one I changed up a little bit. But um, in all seriousness, man, like that's what I want to know. I want people to know as well. It's oh. it's that this has been a, a, a conscious and aware decision that I've made to be this person. Right. And I think all you have to do is really live intentionally in order to go down that direction. Wow. Uh, we have very similar. There's a moment when I was 12 years old where I was super short. Yeah. couldn't could barely read and i had yeah. kind of the moment of like the things that i can't control yeah. i'm just not going to worry about like i'm going to learn yeah. to laugh like i'm super short my younger sister's taller than me there's nothing yeah. i can do but yeah. then the things that i can control like my reading and stuff like yeah. i i was going to have to work harder than the average person that's exactly. thank you thank you so much for sharing those yeah man thanks for asking so i kind of want to end with the legacy question and the legacy question kind of goes like this you know this is your last day on this earth you can't take anything with you you're with the people that you love the most. And with all the things that you've learned, what do you want to pass down? A lot of people I have on my show have their kids and family. So I like, what would you say to your future kids? What kind of conversation would that look like? What, what kind of things would you say? The epigraph of my book is my favorite quote. It's what I live by. It's really what the journey to cloud nine is all about. And it is originally something I found online that was by an, an anonymous, it, it, I don't really know if anybody knows the origin of the quote, but recently I heard Ed Milet, you know, Ed Milet, yep. I heard him put it into these amazing terms that I will never forget. And what I would say is this, it's that, uh, on your last day on this earth, the person who you became meets the person who you could have become. And the definition of hell is that those two people are total strangers. So basically wow. that means that you've been living life not according to who you are supposed to be. But the definition of heaven, or in my case, the definition of cloud nine, living a cloud nine life, is that those two people are identical twins. So that's what I would say. It's to live that that heaven-like life while you're here on earth, that cloud nine life. Um, and, you know, make the difficult decisions so that you're following that path. Jordan, man, you're remarkable. I'm, I'm grateful that you're in my life, man. And I'm, I'm excited to see your journey. Thanks, man. I appreciate that a lot, Caleb. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. How, real quick, how can, people, how can people be a part of what you're doing? Yeah, so the, the simplest thing I'll say is just one thing. Um, right now, we're at the stage in the game where the book's still like five months away. So the best place to be is on my email list. So if you head to journey to cloud9.com and that's all spelled out journey to cloud nane.com you can put your email in there and then every Tuesday and Thursday I send out a 90 second clip of somebody around the world who I've interviewed telling their cloud9 moment or the happiest that they've ever felt in their lives. So if you're on there then you'll get updates about the book moving forward and things like that. So journey to cloud9.com. Yeah. We will have that in the show notes. I'm going to be joining your email list right yeah. after we're done here. And man, I, again, super appreciate you, man. And excited yeah. to see the impact that you're going to have. Awesome stuff, man. Thanks so much again. Really appreciate it. Hey guys, I would love to hear from you and, and what your thoughts are on our conversation. Like thought of even the, the comfy analogy, I'm thinking the importance of openness 
and like how very few people talk about that and, and obviously centering around like how you want to live your life. I thought that was super valuable. I thought what Jordan was doing, combining fiction and nonfiction principles and this idea of cloud nine and just the way that he thinks, super, super thoughtful. And I really encourage you to go support him, join his email list and buy his book when it comes out. I know as a as an author that that means the world. Uh, the other thing that I just like, like I would just love to hear your journey. Like we all are on this journey what things as it relates to being on cloud nine like how would you answer that question the other ask that i have is if you are enjoying this podcast could you please go share it maybe subscribe leave a review guys i'm on i like i want more people to hear these conversations and i need people like you to be an ambassador and help share it so that'd mean the world i've had a couple of you guys um send me emails and and shoot me messages over social media showing your five-star reviews and they literally make my day so go out have an amazing rest of your day try to be really uh intentional about um what it looks like to live a cloud nine moment and and just live a passionate life Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.